Welcome back to Where Is My Mom Manual. In June and July of 2018, a junior association football team was rescued from the Time Luang Nang Non Cave in northern Thailand. Twelve members of the team, aged 11 to 16, and their 25-year-old assistant coach entered the cave on June 23rd after a football practice. The boys were apparently performing a sort of initiation ceremony in the cave and got stuck when the cave flooded, blocking their escape. Park officials discovered the boys' bikes at the entrance to the cave, and worried parents began to call the police when they realized that their children were missing. Efforts to locate the group were hampered by rising water levels and strong currents, and no contact was made for more than a week. The cave rescue effort expanded into a massive operation amid intense worldwide public interest and involving international rescue teams. On July 2nd, after advancing through narrow passages and muddy waters, British divers found the group alive on an elevated rock about 2.5 miles from the cave mouth. Rescuers organized various options for extracting the group, including whether to teach them basic underwater diving skills to enable their early rescue, or to wait until a new entrance to the cave was found, or maybe even wait for the floodwaters to subside by the end of the monsoon season, which would be months later. After days of pumping water from the cave system and a decrease in rain, the rescue teams hastened to get the group out of the cave before the next monsoon rain. Between July 8th and 10, all 12 of the boys and their coach were rescued from the cave by an international team. The rescue effort involved more than 10,000 people including more than 100 divers, scores of rescue workers, representatives from about 100 governmental agencies, 900 police officers, and 2,000 soldiers, 10 police helicopters, 7 ambulances, and more than 700 diving cylinders, and the pumping of more than a billion liters of water from the caves were required. An interview with a psychologist professor, Dr. Bridget Luguerre, from the University of Vienna went like this. The interviewer said, in your opinion, what is the negative impact or the general impact on youngsters trapped in a cave for such a long time? The psychologist responded, I think that the core problem is a lack of daylight. People who exclusively live in the dark for a long time are more stressed because their usual sleep-wake rhythm is disrupted. This impacts the quality of sleep and the body's entire biorhythm. The interviewer went on, what impact do you think darkness or lack of sunshine has? Given that a lack of sunshine is not merely about vitamin D, right? The psychologist responded, no, it's much more than that. Humans are used to a day and night structure. If this is lost, it becomes even harder to cope with stress and other external influences. First Peter 2 and 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Today I am talking about dwelling in caves when you should be walking 
on mountaintops. Y'all, I am a changed person. I am refreshed, renewed, blessed, and highly favored. And I am kind of going to take a different path with this podcast for just a, a little bit because the blessings of the Lord are on my life because of the change that our church has made. And in this change, it began in the beginning of January. And most churches do this. It's where we take out the bread and we begin reading our Bible through. And you do it corporately and you see that your church grows. And for many of us, this lasts about a week, two weeks, three weeks, maybe at the at max. But I am determined to read my Bible through and to stay focused and do it. And y'all, since doing this faithfully, I have changed. I feel so encouraged. There is such a peace about me. My mind is clear. I'm feeling so much better. My, my marriage is more peaceful. And the Bible says that we are to renew ourselves daily and we renew ourselves in reading the Word of God. We can renew ourselves in in prayer, but the Word of God is alive. So many times I will go to church. I'm like, God, send someone over there to give me a word. Speak to me. And His Word is right here. His Word is speaking and ministering to me every day if I allow it. Every day I can open the Word of God. And even if it's a passage I've read a million times, It's going to speak to me in a new way that meets me in my need. And I called mom excited today about the word that I found. And she said, oh, yes, isn't it powerful how he is the I am? And the I am will speak to you personally. He will speak to you on a level that is about you and your needs. He says, whatever you need, I am it. Oh, oh, you got you got a marriage problem? I am. I am here for it. I am hope. I am peace. I am love. I am joy. I am rest. I am the solution to your problem. So I pray that you can find a way to open your Bible and let the I am speak to you today. My friend Holly, I was telling her how I've always struggled with reading my Bible through. And she said, why don't you download version and read along with the narrator? And I was like, ooh, that sounds good. I, I have version on my, my phone, but I don't use it. And she's like, well, you need to use it. So I'm going to share with you all what she told me to do. She said, take that narrator and speed him up, speed him up to like 1.5 or something like that and read along with him. And so I've been doing that. When my kids start screaming, going crazy, I will let it continue to play and I can continue to listen and learn. And whenever a verse speaks to me, I'll run over there and highlight it and I will be able to come back and study it more in detail because that's what I like to do is study out the word and research different ways that it can be read and NIV, KJV, ESV. And I'm just like, oh, this one says that and that one says this, but they all come together to say this. And so, yeah, do it, y'all. Come along on this journey with me and read your Bible through. It's going to change your life. But the change that I was talking about a moment ago is that I am going to just read my Bible and take the stories that really stand out to me and hopefully deliver those to you over the next few podcasts. We'll just see how it goes. And hopefully they minister to you as they're ministering to me and we can grow together through reading the word. And today I read 
this story to my my kids. And then I did a little craft with them. And I did the craft over how salt is and how the pillar of salt is what Lot's wife became. And so I'll divulge a little bit more on that craft in just a little bit, but it's super awesome. And your kids are learning from the word that is alive just as much as you put that word in their hearts. And when you hide the word of God in their hearts, they will not sin against him. They're going to reverence and fear him. And so let's go ahead and dive right in. So in Genesis chapter 19, we see that Lot is setting are sitting at the gate of Sodom and Gomorrah. What is Lot doing, y'all? Why is he sitting at the gate? What is it, why is he a gatekeeper for sin? Well, we see that Lot developed an appetite for sin way back in the beginning of his journey with Abraham. We see that Abraham and Sarah, in the beginning of their journey with God, had to go into Egypt as there was a famine in the land and they went seeking to be fed in Egypt. Y'all, that can preach. That can preach so strong. Where are you seeking to be fed in those moments of hunger? What is feeding your appetite? Okay, so you're a little depressed and stressed. Are you turning on YouTube or are you going to the Word? What is feeding you? What is feeding your appetite? Okay, you're feeling a little self-conscious about your body. Did you open the Word or did you open YouTube and look at girls putting on makeup? What is feeding your appetite? Because yes, you may be able to walk out of Egypt, but we see that Lot has walked out of Egypt affected. Abraham's nephew has walked out of Egypt bound. He is now desiring to live in Egypt. Whenever Abraham and Lot walked out of Egypt with all of their blessings and all of their wealth, we see and we find that they are no longer able to live in the same land of Canaan. And Lot was a decent person. He he has the blessings of God on his life, but whenever his uncle is not around, Lot makes some poor choices. So we see that Lot is given his first grown-up choice, and his grown-up choice was, where do you want to live? It's time for you to move on. It's time for us to go and go our separate ways, but this doesn't have to come between us. I love you, Lot. You're going to do great things, but spread your wings and fly. And just like you know, many of us have done, Lot makes his choice to go towards the world. He is found choosing the land of Jordan, the plain of Jordan. And the reason that he chooses Jordan is powerful. He says, because it is like the land of Egypt. Y'all, that is, that is so powerful. So, We see that Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, but Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and he pitched his tent toward Sodom. And the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. So we come back over here to chapter 19 and we find that Lot is no longer just looking at sin, but he has found his place at the gate of sin. And I called dad about this and I was like, why was he at the gate? What brought him to the gate of sin? 
And dad said, did you know that being a gatekeeper in the Bible meant that you were involved in the council, you were in the government. So Lot is no longer just sitting at the gate or looking at sin. He is now a council, a city counselor for the sin, sin-bound city, the Sodom and Gomorrah that is known for its homosexuality and its gross sin. Lot has taken his place at the board in that city. So how bound is Lot? Very bound. How engulfed in sin is, is Lot? Very engulfed. And I don't blame Abraham completely, but he took his family into Egypt to feed a hunger. Y'all, where we feed our family is so important. The, the things and that we entertain our kids with, it's so important because we're creating the appetite for them. So let's create an appetite in our kids for the things of God. Let's give them the word. Let's feed it to them daily. Let them hear you praying. Let that be the nostalgic memories that they have with you. Don't let the movies and the 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 things that this world entertains their flesh with become the nostalgic memories for them. Let wholesome, godly music be the nostalgic memory because I've heard my own father say that, oh yeah, that rock song right there brings me back. I can hear five seconds of it and I'm back in my car racing down the road with, uh, you know, doing sinful things as teenagers do. But our kids don't have to have that kind of memory. They don't have to have that kind of appetite. But we see that Lot is reminded of the holy things whenever two angels approach Sodom and Gomorrah in the evening. And Lot is embarrassed. He bows himself with his face toward the ground and he says, Oh, my lords, turn in, I pray you. Come into my house, tarry all night, wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early and go your way. You know, get out of here. This is embarrassing. I'm feeling a little conviction. You need to go ahead and get out because I feel uncomfortable. And the angel's response is shocking. They say, nay, but we will abide in the street. No, that's not even tempting. I don't want to be in your house. I am not attracted to what's in your house. I am not interested because the the word of God says that the angels encamp around about those that love him. The angels are intrigued by your holiness. I know that there are verses upon verses that are controversial even for many Christians, but the Bible says that our uncut hair is a crown of glory and the angels watch over us because of it. It is a protection. So the angels want to be around a holy and a pure people, but these angels are not interested in entering into Lot's house. They want nothing to do with it. And so he continues to press upon them greatly and they turned in unto him. They went with him into his house uh, resentfully, but they went and he feeds them and he feasts them and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom compassed around the house, both old and young, all the people from every quarter and called unto Lot and said unto him, where are the men which came unto thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. That sin, the sin of homosexuality, the sin of this world, it is in your face. It is in your children's face. 
It is so disgusting. It wants you, it wants your children, it wants to destroy your innocence. I know whenever I went to public school for just a minute, the the young people were so in my face, like, oh, we're going to corrupt you. Oh, you're, you're Miss Goody Two-Shoes? Mm, not for long. Let me introduce you into something. Let me tell you a little bit of something, something. This world would love to destroy the pure and holy things of God. And in disgust and trying to protect and reverence the holy things, Lot says, oh, you, you don't know what you're doing. This is, these are holy men. This is so wicked. Oh, this is wicked. Don't act that way. Let me just give you my daughters and you do unto them whatever you want. And these men, these, this sinful spirit, it looks at him and says, oh, you want to judge me? Oh, you think you're a judge now? Well, now we will deal worse with you than you we, than what we had plans for with those men because you wanted to you want to judge us and not like a judge. Isn't that like the world to sit there and say, mm, "You want to judge me? Well, let me tell you how the cow ate the cabbage." No, 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 no. You can't do it in your your flesh. You can't go and try and and conceal a worldly thing in your flesh. You have to walk humbly. You have to walk in the spirit because if you try and correct things in your flesh, it's going to come up against you and it's going to, oh, it's just going to chew on you. It just wants nothing more than to destroy um, the holy things. It wants to destroy anything that would protect God. And if you're trying to do it in your flesh, it will destroy you. But had it not been for the angels being there, a lot would have been in big trouble, but uh, the angels, they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. They continued, even though they were blind, they continued to to try and get those men and to destroy Lot for standing up for the holy things of God. And as we continue to read, it says, and the men said unto Lot, hast thou here any besides Son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever their house in the city, bring them out of this place for we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons and his son-in-laws, which were married to his daughters and said up, get you out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. And this is the powerful part. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his son-in-laws. Lot's son-in-laws were so used to the mocking of holy things, the mocking of the church. It sounds like Lot's chewed up his preacher a few times. It sounds like Lot's made fun of the holy things. He's made fun of um, church, maybe. He's, he's had pastor for supper and... His son-in-laws were not saved because, oh, he's just joking. Yeah, right. Okay, he's going to destroy. God's going to destroy the city. Okay, let's get out of here. Ha ha ha, you're funny. Go on, Uncle Lot. You're, or, go on, Lot. You're crazy. And so when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot. Lot was not moving quickly. Lot was hanging out. Lot did not want to go, but the angels 
arose and woke Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the sin. Get out of here. You've got to go. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. He had to force him out. And that was because of the prayers of Abraham. Abraham prayed Lot out of there. If it had not been for Abraham's relationship with God, had Lot been spared? Would Lot have been spared? No, probably not because God didn't see any righteous in that city. He didn't see any pure, but maybe it's you. Maybe you're the one that is being spared over and over and over because someone's praying for you. Maybe someone is standing in your corner praying for you and Abraham was standing in Lot's corner praying. And so the angels forced Lot out, forced his children out. And it came to pass that when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed." escape to the mountain. Go ahead, Lot. It's time to climb higher. I've brought you out. And this is where I want to pause for a minute because maybe some of us have been brought out of sin through the prayers of loved ones, through the prayers of grandmas. And maybe you are just living in the plains. You're living in a plateau. You're asleep at the wheel. And it's time to escape to the mountains, lest you become consumed by your appetite, lest you become consumed by the things of this world. It's time to go higher with God. It's time to read the word like you've never read the word. It's time to pray like you've never prayed because God is coming back and he's coming back to destroy sin and to rapture the church out of here. And You can't make it living in the plain because we read in a few verses that God destroyed those who were in the plain. God destroyed the plain. And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. Uh, Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I, I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Y'all, God's made a way of escape. He, he's made a way of escape. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. And it says that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that's in First Peter 2 and 9. He has made a way out of darkness. Now it's time to live in his marvelous marvelous light on the mountaintop, but you've got to put forth the effort. You've got to come out of your slumber and start climbing, start making the climb toward the mountain. And instead, Lot says in verse 20, behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it, it it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And there my soul shall live. You can't live with little sins. You can't live and thrive whenever you have little sins. God had to plant, God had planned to destroy the little city. 
God didn't want the little city to survive. God had planned to destroy it. It says, and he said unto him, see, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Because you have begged and begged, God's kept some God's allowed you to keep your little sins. God's allowed you to stay in the little cities. But oh, how he would rather see you walk on the tops of mountains. Oh, how he would rather see you blessed as you walk in his marvelous light. Oh, it's time to escape out of the little sins. It's time to leave the plains behind you and run for your life. It says run for your life, not looking to the left or the right. It's time to press forward and, and don't look behind you. Don't, don't try and look at what God's brought you from. Don't even worry about that. Don't even worry about the little sins anymore. It's time to just plow forward. Because if you keep trying to go backwards and say, okay, I'll just, I, I, I know I felt convicted about this on Sunday, but I'm going to, it's little, it, it's not going to kill me. It's just a little city. God said, no, it's time, it's time to get up and, and hastily escape. So we see that Lot has pressed his way and he's kept hold of the little things and he's escaped thither. For he says, I cannot do anything till thou become thither. So therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. And whenever the sun was risen upon the earth and Lot entered into Zoar, then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain, the place where God had brought Lot, it was overtaken. Yes, right now you're, you're maybe you, you've just escaped and you're in the plane, but that's going to be overtaken by sin if you don't get out of there. You've got to go to higher, new places, deeper places. You can't be stagnant. It's time to go higher. And so we see that Lot's wife, he looks back. She looks back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Her sin destroyed her. Her love for the city destroyed her. Her appetite and her hunger and her vision, it destroyed her. Where you are looking, where your eyes rest, that is where you are going to go. I've heard it said that if you are running and you look forward, you will run forward. But if you look off to the right or you look off to the left, you're going to run where your eyes look. So it's time to, as the horse puts on his blinders and stays focused on the journey ahead, we need to put on spiritual blinders and stay focused, running ahead, not looking behind us. Because if you're looking backwards, you're backsliding. You're, go, you're, you're destroying yourself. And we find that Abraham also looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah, but he wasn't looking back at Sodom and Gomorrah. He looked at it from a place of prayer. He looked at the world and he said, God, touch my world, touch my world. So your vision, what is your vision for this world? How are you looking at the world? Are you looking at it with an appetite to be like it? Are you looking at it in a prayer closet? It says in verse 27, Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked 
toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and beheld and lo, the smoke of the country went up as a smoke of a furnace. The world didn't affect Abraham in any way. He didn't have a hunger for it. He wasn't affected by its beauty because it was no longer beautiful. He was, it, it didn't destroy him. Why not? Because he was praying early in the morning. The world didn't, it didn't phase him. Whenever you develop your prayer life, the world's not going to phase you. You're not going to become hungry for it. I was looking up salt, and we are to be the salt of the earth because, you know, it encourages an appetite. We are to create the appetite in people for the Lord. But whenever you are full of, whenever you are full of the world, there is no no living water in you. Salt is completely deprived of water. There is no water in it. So we see that there was no Jesus in Lot's wife, no no fresh water, no fresh. He says, whenever you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. She was thirsty. She was thirsty for something. She, she needed something. She had an appetite, but it was an appetite for the world. Her hunger and her thirst were for the world. It was not for the, the water that never runs dry. So we see her die thirsty. We see her die in her hunger for the world. And it's time to wake up and realize that we do not have to live in the little sins. We don't have to walk in the plains. We don't have to stay where God's brought us in, in this place that we're at right now. It's time to go to higher heights, greater de- depths, greater dimensions. And whenever you come out and you're living on the other side, the blessed side as Abraham, you're going to have a heart for people. You're not going to struggle with your appetite anymore. You're going to have a heart and a prayer life for lost souls. You're going to have a a prayer life for sinners. And you're going to look over at Sodom and Gomorrah in your prayer closet and say, God, save them. God, have mercy on them. Please don't destroy them. God, bring out my family. Bring out Lot. Touch them, God. You see their their bondage. I, I need you to bring them out, God. Because whenever you stay in the plains and in the little cities, we see that Lot is now afraid. Lot went from living with a little sin to hiding in caves. He dwelt in a cave. It says in verse 30, it says that Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters. He eventually got to the mountain, but he didn't, he wasn't living in the light. He went and he became a dweller of the darkness. He was in complete darkness. It says, for he feared to dwell in Zoar and he dwelt in the cave with his two daughters and greater sin came upon him from there, greater things. And and I'm going to end it there, but you don't have to be a cave dweller. You don't have to live in little cities, little sins. It's time to put aside the little sins, escape the cave and live on the mountaintop because we see in the story that I presented in the very beginning that whenever it can, it comes down to escaping the caves, it's almost impossible. Once you reach a gross darkness without uh, the the prayers of tens of thousands of people and the work and the labor of 
men and for days and nights. I pray that you have someone in your corner praying for you. I pray that your family's not so lost that that there's someone praying for them, that it's not generation after generation after generation that they are completely forgotten and they are stuck in the caves forever. But let's walk on the mountaintop and leave the caves behind us. I pray that you feel blessed and encouraged by today's study and you are able to join me again next week as I deliver the word that God has spoken to me in this coming week of studies and reading the word of God. I am encouraged and I pray that you are too. Have a blessed day.